0: Hello,
1: we're glad you could join us for this first installment of Clone Wars, an Orphan Black podcast. My name is Mike. And I'm Dave. And tonight we're here to talk about season two, episode one of BBC America's Orphan Black that aired on April 19th, 2014. Episode was titled Nature Under Constraint and Vexed. Now, as Mike said, it's first installment, listeners may know me from the Fadeless Lost Girl podcast I record with Wayne. And of course, Mike and I have been publishing Liberate a continuum podcast for the past two years. But like so many others, we've been captivated by Sarah Manning and her sisters and decided to produce a short format podcast devoted to Orphan Black. And we're going to publish it on both Fadeless and Liberate websites. Yeah, it's an idea that we hatched,
0: I guess, when Orphan Black first came out. We are like, oh, if we weren't doing Continuum, I bet you we would be doing Orphan Black. Absolutely. (laughs) Because it's another uh, Canadian show that we love. But so as long as you subscribe to either uh, Fatalists or Liberate, you're automatically going to receive our Orphan Black discussions in your feed, uh, whether you subscribe to us or if you just want to, go directly to the website. We're at ContinuumPodcast.com or Fatalists.Podbean.com, or you can just go to Stitcher because both podcasts are there as well.
1: Yep. So uh, look, we're always big on numbers and uh, 620,000 viewers for the season premiere, which again, you know, you, you look at American television a lot and, and, it, and it doesn't seem like much, but six eighty. last year's premiere and last season averaged around 350 so I'm imagining BBC America's pretty pleased and since the show got a lot of buzz in the off season, I think they're probably going to stick closer to the big number than the small number
0: yeah I was actually kind of surprised when you mentioned that to me that it was in the 600s Uh, I guess I thought it was higher than that yeah and that with the buzz that it got from season one I actually figured it would start out higher but maybe we'll see some growth as the season goes on.
1: Yep. But like we said, we're going to do short format, Mike, so let's go ahead and get to it. And just really a quick season one finale highlights of, you know, where we left off. Uh, Kasima discovers that the Dyad Institute and, and Leaky have patented the clones. Yeah. Uh, the police with Art and Angie are getting closer to discovering the truth about what's going on. And he's about to find out when Sarah's bailed out by Rachel Duncan, who we find out has essentially been raised to run Dyad. But perhaps the biggest plot point that's at least uh, moving season two at this point is that Kira and Mrs. S have, now we don't know whether they've fled or they've been taken. Uh, We learn that she may or may not have been connected to Project lita in 1977 so you know what do you think about that
0: yeah i originally thought that mrs s might be one of the profs that's labeled on the back of the lita photo but apparently not i guess the date would kind of put things off a little bit i think it was um 1977 yeah the summer of 77 so not sure what the connection is going to be there but hopefully that'll be central to season two
1: yeah all right um Allison signs the contract with Dyad yeah. and, and is back to you know living with Donnie, unsuspecting again. Uh, Kasim is still considering the offer from Dyad, and, and she's actually motivated certainly more than Sarah is because she'll have access to the science. But perhaps most importantly, Sarah shot and Presumably killed Helena. I can't believe, yeah, <laughs> that uh, she's still alive. Yeah, but but also, on the one hand, she shot her twin. You yeah, know that I mean? was we, pretty amazing. I mean, we've looked at this in terms of clones and multiples and all of that, but when we found out that you know they were actually born of the same mother, you thought there would be kind of a, a bond, but uh, not so. Uh, Sarah's pretty hardcore, all right? Well, especially especially after her birth mother you know, sort of made an appeal. Yeah. I thought sure she was going to be more sympathetic, but nope. Nope. Yep. Well, look like a lot of shows, w- w- you know, it breaks down into little sub stories, whether it's the procedural story as, yeah. as well as other, obviously in a show like orphan black, I- at least in the season two premiere, it pretty much broke down by character and, and it usually does that. So, you know, I guess the big storyline is that Sarah's desperately trying to find Kira and, Look, not that we didn't know she was resourceful before, but boy, I'll tell you, she did some really cool things in this episode. That's right.
0: And we have to figure out what is it that's special about Sarah besides the fact that she was able to have a child in the first place.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because
0: it seems like she's just, maybe she's just had a bunch of tough scrapes in her life. And so she's always able to squeak out of it. Because they talk a lot about their impulsive nature in this episode. And I think that probably works to their advantage uh, just through sheer luck sometimes.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's easy to look at Cosima and, and, you know, credit her, you know, her elevated intelligence because obviously she is brilliant, but it's easy to dismiss somebody like Sarah, who again is certainly street smart, but you know, it's one thing being street smart. It's another to be able to think that quickly on your feet when all hell is breaking loose, like in the diner.
0: Oh man! that was great. yeah, it harkened back to you know episode one and two of season one when she was dealing with it fresh, and she still managed to convince everyone she was a cop and now we're starting off season two the same way,
1: yeah, uh you know, breaking through that bathroom wall with with the fire <laughs> extinguisher now you know we weren't sure at the you know at the beginning who those two guys were, but we we realized that it's not just the dyad Institute out there. That wants Sarah, and, and that—that's a new—that's a new flavor for this season. Yeah. Adding this uh, religious
0: zealot idea, and I loved when they went into the diner, asked for free range chickens, and just the metaphor that they set up with your chickens have been interfered with, and it just reminded me of what's going on with these clones as well. So, not—not uh, not a surprise that these guys are against uh, the whole idea, similar to what Helena is, I guess.
1: Right now, we did have the guy that who who had kept her. Caged up, yeah. Right now, he's—I can't even remember now—is he dead or not? I don't remember. <laughs> I haven't yeah. done my full rewatch yet. Yeah, yeah. midway um, through. But you know, like we were talking before we went on the air, she doesn't tell Felix that she shot Helena; just tells him she's gone. And you—you and you had mentioned that it—it it harkened back to season one as well for you.
0: Well, yeah, because she—and they do this a lot, where she doesn't give people the full story and she does this a couple of times in this episode, but it reminded me of when she wouldn't tell Felix that the German was dead
1: back in episode two of season one. It's like, just tell him. It's yeah. Felix, come on. Again, we're talking about how resourceful she is. Um, look, I mean, clearly she's dealt drugs in the past and, and really who knows what she's done. Probably a lot far worse than dealing drugs. But that whole idea of how to get around the fact that she's being tracked by an organization that's clearly got some resources and you know, steals the phone in the bar so they can't track her when she contacts Paul. And then pulls the switch with the, uh, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. And then the girl at the end with the skateboard. Yeah,
0: well, and and it's funny, too, that it's all planned out very well, considering she has absolutely
1: no plan other than she needs a gun. (laughs) Right, right. I feel a lot better if I had a gun. (laughs) That's right. Wouldn't we all? Um, And and again, it's – and and we have a couple plans going here. And and certainly one plan that we find out near the end, which is Rachel's, that Rachel really doesn't have – Kira and never had Kira and really just uses it as a ploy to bring uh, Sarah to her and even Paul is snowed by this. He thought
0: that that Rachel did have them and and you know who else thought it that I thought it was strange Leaky yeah Leaky thought that that they had Sarah. He actually chastises Rachel about it at one point.
1: Well yeah and you know I think as we go on I think we gave Leaky a lot of power in this whole. Dyad situation, and we realize now again he's just another employee, yeah, that uh, you know, does Rachel's bidding. But it raises, you know, we've we got a lot of fundamental questions, and a lot of them revolve around who do we trust, and you know, is Paul a good guy now? Yeah, it's uh, well, Paul and Art are both sort of winning points back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how about she goes to Art's apartment? I mean, and and again, I, I love it, and she said it at least twice. Are you sure you really want to know everything that's going on? And uh, again, this is where I want her to
0: tell people. I want her to be more open about it, but it does draw it out quite nicely.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's also one of those points that, come on already, let's, let's, you know, do it already. But at the same time, is Art trustworthy? Because he says to Angie, she almost trusts me. And it makes it seem like he's pulling a ploy. Yeah, but I wonder now, going to his apartment... Really seeing how desperate she is, I didn't know where else to go. You mm-hmm. know, I, I wonder if that's going to really, you know, move him in some way to perhaps keep her story to himself. Because you get to the bottom of it, and it is pretty bizarre. Well, I think he will. He'll he'll be incredulous for a while, but then he'll he'll come around. All right. Well, you know, let let me jump ahead for a second to uh, you know the story that we really see only at the end, and that's the fact that Helena is still alive. Okay. And Bleeding badly, so clearly we know—I mean, we know that that, uh, it's because she was shot. She staggers into the emergency room. Excuse me, my sister shot me. She is unkillable. Well, but I I think what what strikes me—and you also notice that the guy, the the, uh, religious extremist guy that was at the diner that survived is there also. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what the deal is with the belt buckle, some kind of fish. Yeah, I almost want to say that the
0: back fins are curled inward like— a fish that's evolving into some some kind of creature that would walk on land. Okay. So I'm not sure what what the symbology there is.
1: Yeah, but I guess what really struck me after the fact was, doesn't she realize that by going to an emergency room, look, she didn't have to tell them she was shot. They can tell she was shot. And Uh And when you've got a gunshot victim, you automatically bring in the police. And the next thing you know, we've got Art probably involved, Angie probably involved. So does she... Realize this, or or is she in shock from the gunshot wound? Who knows? With Elena, it right. could be strategic. It could be completely random. And then we go back to the whole aspect of their superior healing abilities. Mm-hmm. That's right. cosima and Delphine. Again, do we trust Delphine now? Yeah, she's going through the same transformation that Art
0: and Paul are. It's like we didn't trust her, and now she's coming back into Casima's life. Helping her, it seems, at first, with the uh, drawing the blood, trying to investigate the respiratory issues on her own, Cosima is, but Delphine promises not to let Leakey and, and Dyad get a hold of the blood,
1: but then she goes ahead and hands it to Leaky, even though she doesn't tell him whose blood it is. All right. And I mean, she tells us that this was her first relationship with another woman. I just don't buy Delphine's sincerity you know, no. in this relationship. Because of that, because of the fact that she's not specifically uh, homosexual. So mm-hmm. it makes you sort of suspicious. It makes her more suspicious. Yeah. And and then, like you said, given the blood, the leaky. Um, well, look, obviously for a few episodes, we, we realized that Kasima's exhibiting that the respiratory issues, She's spitting up the blood. Obviously is concerned, but noticeably doesn't tell the others. It, it, it makes you wonder, is she going to decide to... Work at Dyad for real, yeah. It, just from the temptation of getting her own lab, right. And again, we're still not clear. I mean, again, it, it's like with Leaky now, knowing that Rachel is above him, you wonder: Is Leaky really about the science? Is he really about the, you know, the uh, Neolutionist or whatever it is? Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, he seems to be have a certain amount of naivete. Yeah. Because he is fooled
0: by uh, the disguise that Sarah puts on pretending to be Kasima but but that's uh, that's one thing I also question is cuz Sarah actually asks for a, her own lab of leaky and it
1: makes me wonder is that what Kasima would want is Sarah speaking on her behalf yeah i think she just pulled that out and 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 look i think she would probably want her own lab but uh, i think given the context of the diet institute there's no reason for secrecy mm-hmm. so that I would think she'd almost want to be around other scientists that are working on the same thing that she wants to. So, you know, I, I'm not sure it's that probably a big a deal, but you know, the question, are they back together as a couple and Cosima tells Sarah that she's not going to be fooled again. So, uh, you know, she's certainly going back into this relationship with, with one eye open for sure. Yeah, that's true. She's, she's going to, Maybe be a little bit more suspicious than she was originally. Right. And, uh, you know, thinking that, you know, we, we really see her naivete come out a lot. You know, she thinks she can just go to Dyad, demand that Rachel release Kira. And, you know, of course, that's not going to happen. But the, obviously the cool twist is that, uh, you know, the big plan is for her to impersonate Rachel, that is to impersonate Kasima and go to the Dyad function. And it was really cool how the whole thing went down, right? No, because we remembered in season one how much we enjoyed
0: when she impersonated Allison. Yeah. Because she's able to actually be an American actress <laughs> or have an American accent, doing a British accent, pretending to do an American accent. And the fact that she was able to pretend to be Casima, but still have the the pitch of Sarah's voice kind of lower, Yeah, but still do the Cosima mannerisms. <laughs> yeah, the only problem was the glasses. <laughs> the glasses were hard for her to see and... She wasn't into the kiss either, of course. Yeah.
1: No, Ro, no. Um, but the the way the whole plan, Allison's not going to be happy about this, right? And and, <laughs> yeah. and and at first I was thinking that it was Allison, but then, of course, you know, it's she just called Rachel, gets Daniel, tells him she wants to meet Rachel. They set up the meeting. I, I love the mace and the whistle. Oh,
0: yeah, where she's just... Doing it to no effect, the guys just keep grabbing her, but she keeps spraying and spraying and spraying and spraying. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And then, and then Daniel realizes that he's been conned and and apologizes. Which, you know, the the fact that he apologized and it seemed genuine. Then it goes back to well. You know, maybe they, you know, Dyad and Rachel really do want to bring everybody under the fold. And if we all agree, then we really all can coexist peacefully and and work together for. Look, clearly there are problems with the clones. The respiratory issue is certainly the the foremost one at this point. Well,
0: except the whole idea of owning the patent. Right. That's what makes it problematic because then it's like they own Sarah.
1: And Sarah pushes Rachel down on the ground there. Right. And says you don't own us. Right now, so, uh, is there any issue about who's the first? I mean, obviously Helena thought she was. Yeah, it seems like Rachel is. I mean, or, or at least she's the one that was raised. In yeah. Right, raised to be in charge um, by who? We don't know at this point. Uh, you know, certainly not Leaky. Certainly somebody above. You know, there's got to be one somebody of the- above her. One of the professors in the picture, maybe? Right. Uh, or or somebody associated with Project uh, Lita. Right. I, now, now, Allison, I mean, uh, she's probably my favorite clone next to Sarah. She is shocked that P- Rachel broke the code of conduct. Yes. <laughs> right. Until, you know, Felix points out Sarah didn't sign the contract. And, you know, she she gives him her contact so that he can get a gun for Sarah. And I, I, I again, just that scene in the parking lot of the shopping center. And I, I see a little, a few little uh, sparks fly between the two of them. What you mean Ramon? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. They've had something, or at least he probably had his own crush on the soccer mom. But yeah, the fact that she had a pill, you know, prescription pill dealer for her little habit that she used to have. It's, it's not surprising that, she would ask Ramon. I am kind of surprised that he actually did have guns to deliver. He's very organized. (laughs) Yes, he is. But I I thought the most surprising part about this plot line is that Allison would actually go to that much effort, especially delivering the gun with the bouquet, just to placate Sarah's desire to feel better having a gun. But she didn't have a plan. I was just surprised that Allison wouldn't ask her to have more of a plan first before going to all that
1: trouble. Well, you know, but I think she's coming to trust the fact that sarah will come up with a plan and that in the end she may not like the path that they go down but i think she recognizes in the end that it's really for all you know the benefit of all of them you mentioned go to all that trouble what about the handmade card yeah she couldn't (laughs) resist she couldn't just deliver it without a handmade card Uh, 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 uh. and then uh, and then of course we find out that she's acting in a local theater production and uh, again a Wonderful touch that she's now the lead because Ainsley is dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, not to mention the play itself is deliciously awful. <laughs> yes. yes. We will wipe, wipe, wipe away the plasma. <laughs> yeah. um, and then how about, uh, well, this is, of course, when Felix is in her uh, in her house about the gun and Donnie wakes up and, you know, she gives the excuse, she's running lines. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not in, in control of the muse. <laughs> That's right. Come on, and Donnie. He, and he's like, huh? But, okay. Back to bed. <laughs> right. But there is that, you know, again, so we know Donnie is, uh, you know, the active, the handler handler for her. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the wipe, wipe, wipe away the plasma <laughs> so that, you know, the parallel with the play, uh, oh, um, the fact that, yeah, she does that function for the team, the, for the clone team. Yeah. Yeah. She cleans things up. She <laughs> makes things happen. So lastly with Rachel, who's pretty much orchestrated the whole plot to bring Sarah into custody by using the fact that Kira and Mrs. S are missing. And I think the presumption is that the religious zealots have her. Yeah. Um, Because, because the one guy with the belt buckle says
0: something, we're here to take you to Kira when he sees her in the diner. Right. But why take Mrs. S? I don't know. Or maybe Mrs. S is not, not necessarily a prisoner. Maybe she's complicit.
1: Okay. And that the trashing of her house was just a a cover. Yeah. I I have some suspicions about Mrs. S. Okay. Um, Well, she also tells Paul to pack a bag. They're leaving for Taiwan on Tuesday and uh, you know, I guess a business meeting. Well, she's had a couple she's going to, she's, she had the, she's going to have the Taiwan meeting.
0: She was speaking German on the phone and I caught the words Supreme court Which is the same phrase she was giving to the Japanese or Korean uh, diplomats that came to her office. Right. So she's, they're talking to many different countries about this whole patent idea. And I think she's just getting a bunch of people to buy into it so that they can start moving forward with owning
1: synthetic DNA. Right. And and, uh, it seems like they got a favorable decision from the Supreme Court. So we assume that's why they're going to Taiwan. Although you just never know that, you know, we already know that, that, that there were clones all over Europe and, you know, but we certainly have five alive at this point. Yeah. And I definitely think there are more that we don't know about that we're going to be
0: able to, maybe we'll meet some more during season two. That'd be nice. Yep, There are other forces vying for our fate. Yeah. Yeah. So she tries to say that Rachel and Sarah can get Kira back together. Now that now that Sarah is in the office with her and, and didn't it seem like Rachel expected her to come? Oh good. You made it. That was kind of strange. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) But then they're going to work together. She's just trying to make another appeal to Sarah to work with
1: her, I guess is what that is. Yeah. Now the final scene, we see a man and we don't see, I mean, we just see his hands, right. Or, or we see like a, you know, we see a profile, so we don't really see who he is uh perfunctorily brushing Kira's hair yeah you know they're in some you know low rent motel room sits her on the bed and takes a uh, a picture of her uh, a proof of life i assume that's going to be sent to gosh who to Rachel to Sarah yeah it depends on who what it is their they want
0: what is their goal and uh yeah like you said proof of life would be
1: just something to entice them in a Ransom note or gosh, it could be just about anything. Uh, All I can say is, uh, you know, there was a lot of buzz around this series, you know, in the six months or so leading up to the season two premiere, and they definitely delivered, I think.
0: They definitely did. I think uh, a bunch of people came on board during, um, after the season had finished airing season one and with all the awards that they got, uh, especially the Canadian Screen Awards, They did like a clean sweep in that area. And I think there's a lot of buzz building and season two will definitely, it's definitely off to a good start. And I think we're going to get some good flavor in there with these new religious
1: zealot guys. Yep. And episode two is going to lead us in that direction. So we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Mike and I will be back next week to discuss episode two titled governed by sound reason and true religion. And because
0: this is part of both Fatalists and Continuum Podcast, you can send us feedback on either one of those websites. You can use the SpeakPipe that's on the Fatalists website or the SpeakPipe that's on the Liberate website on that right-hand side, or you can send an email to feedback at continuumpodcast.com or fatalistspodcast at gmail.com. Or if you'd like, you can leave a voicemail at 773-Liberate8. And we'll see you next week. i in my mind, I'm starting to lose control Not for Judy's side, I threw my life in the old